All right. We're, we're, we're pounding the pods this week, guys. Start of the NBA season. I want to kind of do a quick run-through. We got 40 minutes per traffic on ways to get into work today. So this is going to be potentially a lengthy pod with a lengthy topic, which is we're going to run through each team. And we're going to do like, hey, if, if we were GM, what would we do if we're that team, right? So, look, I, I'll, I'll preface this by, by this. Um, we're trying to limit, like, how many teams should go after Simmons and stuff. I feel like a lot of them should. They need to take that risk. But in the NBA, I think there's three phases. Uh, and probably more. I always jump to this conclusion. I just throw a number and then maybe it's actually more. But there's at least three. Um... The best phase is like, hey, look, we're on the cusp. Um, we're in that like mid-50 win-ish range. Is the time now to make the jump and go for a title, right? And I'm I'm a big fan of kind of going for it um, when it makes sense, right? Because I think people, teams in general, one of the lessons that we talk about is getting high on your own supply, which takes a different context. But in the case of the NBA, it's more of like falling way too much in love with your youth and not maximizing on their trade value when you can, right? So recent examples to me is like Portland with Anthony Simons. Portland, you know, has been hovering between a four and let's say seven seed for what seems like, you know, four or five years at this point, right? And there was a period where Anthony Simons was playing really well. Uh, He was young. He was a rookie, I believe. And, you know, if you package him at a deadline move to really get that third stud uh, next to Lillard and McCollum, uh, that was that was probably when you were going to do it. And they didn't take the risk that I'm not saying there was deals on the table, but like you need to be smarter about, look, hey, this look we got again. If you have Lillard and McCollum in your backcourt and you're probably not looking to move them anytime soon, as good as Anthony Simons is going to be as an example uh, the max value he has to your team, even if he hits his potential ceiling, is only as like a backup combo guard because he's behind your 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 backcourt, which is signed long term. But if you get a lengthy wing for him, I'm not saying I don't know who was available at the time or what have you, that would have made sense. But you know, teams need to be smarter about um, selling high. Now, look, there's been, and here's why they don't. Right, it's the same thing with football. Why, why teams punt so often on fourth down? It's because people remember the bad decisions psychologically a lot more than the good decisions, right? So everyone's going to remember, like, and I do, and it still hurts me to this day, when the Celtics traded Joe Johnson um, too early, and they got Ronnie Rogers and Tony Delk, which, by the way, at the time, wasn't the worst deal. What was bad about it was we didn't retain Rogers, and he got hurt and everything like that. But if Rogers and Delk had, if we retained them, um, at least short term, we, we had a window, we were competing with the Nets, to potentially win the East. So I get it. And also, look, Joe Johnson turns out to obviously be a 20,000 point score and all that, right? So it, it looks pretty poor in retrospect, but he didn't hit a stride until probably two, at least two years after that trade. He did show signs, though. Um, and also, he his the difference there, in my opinion, was he fit in the long-term plans of Boston. So I don't know if that was the best move there. Um, but that's a famous one, at least for me, historically speaking. Um, but people don't remember the the good moves, right? Like even if it's quick and, and, and short term, right? Like when um, when Houston 
drafted Rudy Gay, flipped him for Shane Battier. Again, Shane Battier is a known commodity. You know he's going to be a solid number number three contributor to a team, good two-way player. Uh, Rudy Gay became a good player. But, like, that was a solid deal for Houston. They had a little window, and, and then they, you know, were flirting in the conference finals and all that. So that's the problem, is the GMs don't want to be, you know, vilified long-term. They're going to be remembered for these iconic bad deals uh, if they end up moving uh, insert youth, and then it becomes a, a player. And and the problem with that thinking is, you know, given your situation, that son's got no shot in your current roster, and you just have to live with that and, you know, do what's best for the team and, and, and win. So that's why it, it, that, that kind of concept happens, i.e. That, that teams are afraid to move. But throughout the league, you see this even now, right? So Portland, I give you the example of Simons. You know, um, you know, Denver already signed Michael Porter Jr. long-term, so now he's in a a decent contract long-term, he still has tremendous value. Now, like, again, um, will he hit? He's got – he has the right skills. I, I, I get nervous about Porter Jr. with his intangibles. He gets hurt a little bit. Not the highest IQ. Feels like he needs to take over too much. Doesn't have let the game come to him within himself. You think with size and length he could have, you know, Paul George-like potential, but I don't think he's got the Paul George-like intangibles for me. Now, again, if you're Denver, you have a short window. I mean, like, when are we contending here? If I'm the fans, I'm, you know, the East is, is I'm sorry, the West is uh, seems a bit more wide open than in prior years. That doesn't mean you automatically move the youth. That means when you have youth that's insanely high asset value-wise, and there's veterans and, and, and really win-now guys available, you consider it. So Denver could have been in the Harden conversation had they put Porter Jr. on the table. They can still be in the Simmons conversation and get stuff with him if they put him on the table. Um, you know, and again, there's going to be a bunch more examples. Boston's probably going to be another one where they have way too much depth. They almost have too much depth, right? You can't play all these guys. they got to consolidate. If they see signs of guys playing well, and again, guys I like, like Aaron Naismith, Peyton Pritchard, if they show really strong signs... You don't have uh, enough roster space, usage, and minutes to accommodate their potential. Anyhow, you, you should consolidate and, and, and you know make a run because you're going to be an upper echelon team in the conference. So it, it makes sense in certain situations, particularly in situations where um, you can't accommodate the guys, um, the guys' potential, or the players' potential, anyway. Atlanta is a great one right now as well. Cam Reddish. I love Cam Reddish. Love him long-term. He, he's continually growing physically. Um, fantastic defender already. And, you know, his shot's really improving. His offensive game is, is looking much stronger. He's got potential to be a great two-way talent. Who does he compare to? I don't even know. But, like, he seems like a taller DeRozan who can shoot a little bit better. Um, and defend. I don't even know what kind of player that is. Maybe like Ricky Pierce. Got old school throwback comparison. I, I don't mind it. It's not bad. But, again, the whole purpose there is I don't think Reddish with Collins already signed long term with Trey Young there and Bogey is going to have uh, as much of an impact on Atlanta as he would with another young team. And again, great uh, that's a great example of a team that should look to 
uh, move Reddish, maybe even a Hunter, consolidate, get a really good youth. Again, Simmons is another guy to look at there in a three-way. If not Simmons, there's other options. Toronto has veterans um, to look at as well. So lots of, you know, that, that's the first thing. Don't get high in your own spot. Second thing is these teams just have to understand and I actually think this is before getting high in our own supply. Like, really understand what your current weaknesses are. It's another thing we're going to look at, right? So, like, what are you really missing? And if you misevaluate that, the whole thing is gone. If you can't evaluate what pieces you need to get to the next level, I, I you know, that's a, that's extremely poor GMing. I don't even know what to tell you. So, like, the teams I'm skeptical of, obviously, and I've said them a bunch of times, and I'm continue to, is Chicago. Yeah, I get it. They blew out Cleveland in your first preseason game. And it seems like throwing parades already. Everyone's like, oh, this is it. We beat Cleveland by 40 in the preseason. God, give me a break. Who was playing? Dean Wade? What did he have, 40 minutes? Get out of here. Like, um, look, there's a lot of talent on that team. And I get Caruso had a nice little no-look pass. But the fit is not good. And if you evaluate that team well, right now, I think your first look at them is um, they got to figure out which pieces do work together and also that the market value doesn't make sense trading them. So like a good example is like Nikola Vucevic. You cannot deal. Chicago, Orlando, kudos to them, unloaded him for more than I would have anticipated. I get it. He's, he's an all-star um, and all that, but, but given the uh, decline of center need in the NBA. Uh, not kind of surprising. I'll say that. Right? So, they're, they're going to have to hang out to Vooch. You're not going to be able to get anything for him at this stage. And then, you know, DeRozan, they already signed long-term, so obviously he's, he's going to be retained. And DeRozan and Vooch make sense. Okay? And then the ball's there. Right? So, now, Levine is not a pure spacer. The question is really going to be, does, you know, is Levine there long-term and all that? And I think you're going to want to get multiple pieces. Um, if you feel like you're not going to sign Levine to the max, you want to get multiple pieces for him to kind of flaw your rotation. And the other thing I'll say is this. I, you kind of force yourself in a, in a, in a corner to compete in a weird way. So, you know, you just got to be smart, though, about what your needs are. So if you're in Chicago, you're going to, you got some higher IQ guys, which was smart. Okay, that was necessary. Uh, but you need defense. This is one of the worst defensive teams I've seen just put on paper. I mean, they're, they're going to be like New Orleans of the East. They'll score 150 points. They're going to give them 160. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um. So GMs need to know, they have to identify their needs. They also have to know where they are on the trajectory. This is going to lead us to the next thing. And that's kind of like what you need to do. So on the trajectory, Washington's a good example of a team that I feel, based on their current moves, does not know where they are on the trajectory. Is is it time to rebuild? Do you still have a chance to kind of, you know, get your team in the playoffs and see what happens? Or, you know, is it a chance to contend? So it's really like rebuild, shoot for the playoffs, contend. Really three clean trajectory categories or on the road to contention. 
And like, I'm not a fan of just like playing out rebuilding. There are teams that are young, that have enough youth, that it's time to consolidate a little bit, make a playoff run, see what happens, see who the, the core guys to keep, and then, and then kind of move from there. A good example is San Antonio. San Antonio has really built up a nice stream of young talent. And now the pieces are kind of coming together, and it's time for them to make a playoff run. <clears throat> Memphis, you know, I've said it before, I know they, they kind of have an eye on rebuilding a little bit, but, like, time for them to really experience it, you know, see what Jaron Jackson Jr. can do, increase some of the talent, and then, and then kind of make moves from there. So it is, it is, it does make sense for certain teams to make that run. Charlotte, it makes sense for them to make a playoff run. I wouldn't double down on a rebuild, right? It's time for them to try to get to the playoffs, see what happens, see who's really, you know, keeper or not. It's kind of a feeler, right? It's not, it doesn't make sense for everybody to rebuild. Toronto, Toronto can rebuild, right? Okay, so let's get right to it. We're going to do alphabetical order. 30 minutes. I know there's a long intro. Let's jump to it. We're going to do alphabetical. Atlanta. So Atlanta, as I mentioned, look, they beat Philly. Uh, uh, it's funny. A couple of, I hate to say it like this, there was some monumental playoff series, last playoffs, um, which completely changed the trajectory of a franchise based on the playoff series. Atlanta-Philly is definitely one of them. I think Boston-Brooklyn is another. Um, Atlanta-Philly. I mean, Atlanta broke Philly. So, I think Atlanta's got a ton of talent. I think they have great organic growth. I'm not saying they have to do anything now. If I'm Atlanta, let's start the season. Let's keep as is, right? Here's what I would say. Um, I would make sure. So, I would start young, bogey, reddish, Collins, um, and Capella. The problem with Atlanta is, here's where the mix is weird. It was almost a blessing to Nate McMillan. They had a couple injuries because it made the rotation make a lot more sense. They have an awkwardness around their three slash four. So between Gallinari, Collins, Hunter, and even Reddish, who needs to play a little small ball four to an extent, there's too many guys that need minutes and usage. Okay? So, and they already signed Collins long-term. So if I were Atlanta, honestly, and I know this sounds crazy, I probably would have moved Collins. I would have moved him to uh, last deadline, you know, but but they couldn't, and now it's going to be kind of strange. Um, they can't move him now. I wouldn't say that. But they need... But Hunter... You know, I don't know where he fits in things. and Or are they going to force Hunter to play three, and it's not so great? So that's where they, they get a little awkwardness. Now, the problem with Atlanta right now is they don't even have a, a, a platform to play Hunter and give him the op, the appropriate opportunity to showcase himself in, in trade potential. Reddish will have that opportunity. So I think to start the year, they're going to have to be smart about it and probably thin down Gallinari's minutes and make sure Hunter's in the rotation and a healthy part of that rotation, and have some nights and things like that. So now if you're if you're Atlanta, who's your target, right? So you obviously have, in my opinion, if you're Atlanta, you have Reddish and Hunter that you can consolidate. Um, and you want to get the fall, you, you want to get one of the followers. So either you want to get like a, a, a three, a, a phenomenal defensive wing that could create and shoot. So basically a better version of Reddish. Or you can improve your backup, um, just backup wing slot in general, 
uh, for one of those pieces and get a phenomenal backup wing, and some of that makes sense. So some of the teams that I see as fits, uh, as an example, you know, so one of them to me is Sacramento. So Sacramento's got Harrison Barnes. I think he'd be a huge upgrade, you know, for someone like Gallinari. You're not, you're not moving Reddish just to get Barnes. But they have other pieces in Sacramento, right? So they have, you're not going to be able to get, Sacramento to me has got too many small guards. So they got Mitchell, Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Fox. It's too much. So fine. So if that's the case, maybe there's a way to improve. Now, they already got right from from Sacramento, so that's a tough one. So, and, and Barnes is not enough to to warrant unloading uh, Reddish or Hunter for, right? Unless, you know, Halliburton is in that discussion. And I wouldn't take that off, <coughs> excuse me, I wouldn't take that off the table from Sacramento. If I did a deal like Halliburton and Barnes for Reddish and Hunter, that's not bad for both teams. Um, that's one example. I'm, I, there's obviously a lot that needs to be fixed with that example. I, I completely concede there. You look at Orlando with Jonathan Isaac, if he could come back, right? Okay, we got a police officer behind me. Um, <clears throat> but they have to go through the league. They have to consolidate. I still think there's a home there for Ben Simmons to go to Atlanta. Now, granted, if I'm Philly, I'm not letting Ben Simmons go to Atlanta. I would rather get less pieces back. That's the team that just beat me. And, like, I think you got to be smarter. you got to get him out of the conference personally. If you can, at least get him out of, like, the contending teams. So if you're Philly and your goal in a Simmons deal is to then eventually compete yourself, which it probably would be because you're keeping Joel Embiid and you have veterans like Danny Green and Seth Curry on the roster, you're not going to want to move Simmons to a team that you could eventually uh, face in the playoffs. So... I what I would say is you know it's gonna be hard for Atlanta to get someone like Simmons, but you look at the the other potential moves they could do out there to consolidate um, and, and try to go that route. There's you know Atlanta's got Siakam and Fred Van Fleet. There could be something there. I mean not Atlanta, Toronto does. Um, there's not so many options, quite frankly. I got I gotta think through it a little bit deeper, but definitely, you know, Jaren uh, Grant's another one. They need to get a, a, a two-way three. They consolidate there. Uh, Indiana could be interesting if they go a little sideways and Levert becomes available. Maybe they do a deal to try to get T.J. Warren as well. Um, but anyway, they have to wait till the deadline. They're not going to do anything now. Wait till the deadline, see if a two-way wing becomes available. Um, and, and, and try to jump on that situation. San Antonio is another team to look at. They have a lot of lengthy wings um, who are going to have decent value. Uh, another great team to look at, and we talked about on the front a little bit, Memphis, one of my favorite players in the NBA, is Kyle Anderson, a.k.a. Slow-Mo. There could be a deal to get both Anderson and Dylan Brooks, kind of like that Celtics-Joe Johnson deal. Uh, they could be really interested. That's actually probably the target. That's the most realistic play for Atlanta. You improve a backup wing. You get in there. Brooks could really come off the bench. Anderson's a great starting three for that rest of that lineup. Hunter and Reddish is more than enough. You'll probably get other things there that are interesting. So that's probably the target if I'm Atlanta. We'll keep moving. Already too long in Atlanta. Boston, way, way too deep. 
way too many players, right? Um, they have they're going to run like fifteen guys. This is ridiculous, particularly on the guard slot, right? A lot of teams have a lot of guards. Boston's one of them. So Boston's like Atlanta, um, but they're not ready to contend, in my opinion. Like I don't think that's fair. Unless the Brooklyn situation, we have to scope it out. If Brooklyn, indeed, becomes, um, you know, if Kyrie's not playing and they become, quote-unquote, beatable, you know. Look, I'll say this. If it's just Harden and uh, and KD, there's enough injury concern for me to make that an interesting team that I feel like I I could beat. So... They become a little more beatable. I'll say that. Um, they're still really good, but like, I don't know. I think that you could suffocate hard. And I think there's a way there. So, again, Boston's got a lot of guys. Like, like Peyton Pritchard had a fantastic summer league. I get it's just summer league, but one of the things he showed was he could be extreme spacer in this league, which is a big deal. So when you have a, a player that could shoot over thirty six percent from over twenty four feet away. It's pretty interesting. That's an interesting notion. So Pritchard's got value. Naismith's got value. I mean, you know, I, if I'm Boston, I'm starting him. He's going to have value. And by the way, I don't. I, I wouldn't sneeze at Romeo Langford. Also looks good, right? So the Celtics have a trio of young wing guard talent that they need to consolidate. I don't think all three of those guys can get minutes. They can't with Smart back and toe, Schroeder signed. It just doesn't make sense. So all three of those guys show really, really strong potential. And then you have contracts that you can fit in with them. So you have Josh Richardson, who's going to be a movable contract. Josh Richardson looks dumb. He looks completely dumb. But he's at least a movable contract that it makes those three, or two of the three, or one of the three, whatever you want to do, digestible. As does Hernan Gomez, who's a, 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 a cap-friendly deal. So now they could be a good matchmaker for a team. That should double down on a rebuild. The the team that I love as a matchmaker for Boston is actually Detroit with Grant. Um, with Jeremy Grant. And I say that because I, I think like Detroit's got enough other people that they have to uh, build around Sadiq Bay. They don't want to make the same Dubai mistake they did before. They they, they have to build around Kate Cunningham, and Kate Cunningham's going to need spacing, okay? And they have Killian Hayes as well. They just have a lot of slash-heavy young talent. The only way to fully develop those guys is going to be with spacing young talent. So, fine. So, so if that's the case, that's a great that's a great match. Grant goes to um, Boston. Boston solves their, their youth problem. They, they deal two out of three of those guys. In the worst case, let's say it's Naismith even if Naismith, um, you know, if it's something like Hernan Gomez, uh, Naismith, and Pritchard, right? I mean, Boston's lineup looks great. I mean, you're going to roll with Smart, <clears throat> Brown, Tatum, Grant, and Al Horford. That's a great five-man unit. And then you still have Schroeder, uh, Josh Richardson, Langford. I mean, you're still deep off the bench. Uh, Robert Williams, right? And you're going to run more small balls, so it's not like you need a backup power forward if Grant's going to start. So that's the kind of move that makes sense for both this consolidation move. Let's go to Charlotte. 
Charlotte is actually one of the unique teams. I got to give them credit. Like, I don't think they have to make any, they don't do anything right now. Like, they, they're set nicely. They just have to hope Hayward's healthy. They did a great job in getting, like, Sederansky, these little pickups, like Sederansky, Plumlee. They have a nice little bench going. But they're going to, and Bridgers is signed long term now. They're fine. They're honestly fine. They're probably going to test a little bit of P.J. Washington at the five, which I think makes sense. But they are building the right way. They're on the right trajectory. They're doing everything right. They don't have to do anything. That's this is few. You'll see. There's not that many teams like that. But Charlotte, kudos. Chicago. We talked about this up front. Chicago is going to need to figure out. They got to get a bench. And they need to improve defensively. It's a piss-poor defensive team. So, you know, that's not going to happen with <clears throat> uh, Vucevic, uh, Ball, whatever, all those guys. They're going to have a difficult time, as I said up front, trading their... Um, they're going to have a real difficult to- job uh, trading their uh, the guys they recently signed. So you got to figure, like, Ball, DeRozan, and Vooch are going to be kept... Patrick Williams actually makes sense as a small ball four. Right. So they're going to need a... Again, I, I do think you move Levine and not sign him to the max because he's going to pigeonhole yourself and he's gonna, he has extreme value. Um, now the question is going to be the deal you do. You still need a shooter if you're going to move him and all that. But, uh, you know, they might be better off in a two-for-one or a three-for-one. Getting back a, a, a starter that could really be a good two-way who can shoot. And then, um, you know, some guys off the convention that defend, it makes Kobe White make more sense. I, I don't know. But that's um, that's the move I consider from Chicago. Um, I'm trying to think out loud who that... Look, again, I look at Indiana. Uh, I love Karis LeVert. I think that would be a great, great pickup for them. Um, to get Levert and and something um, off their bench, um, one of the wings, Chris, maybe Chris Duart or something like that. They got Chris Duart and 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 Levert for Levine. That's a great deal for uh, for Chicago. Levert could play within within uh, the rest of those guys quite nicely. Gives you more of a two way talent. Um, Sign long term, and then you know maybe get a pick or whatever other assets. Maybe uh, O'Shea Brissett from Indiana to kind of make it more sense. Indiana at the same time is kind of stuck in this middle row. They want to go big or go home to an extent. So that that's a good little uh, match. <coughs> uh, Levert would actually make sense for a lot of teams. FYI, Indiana stole him in that deal with Brooklyn. That was just ridiculous. That, I get it. He had the whole health issue, but he's fine now. Great steal by Indiana, by the way. They they unloaded a little depot who's now worth the amount of a minimum contract. Really well done. Um, <clears throat> we're trying to move this. Cleveland. <sighs> Cleveland messed up on draft day. I, I keep saying it. They had a chance to trade down, get multiple wings. <clears throat> Evan Mobley's good. I get it. He's a great talent. I get it. But, like, you're going to keep Jared Allen long-term if Kevin Love's disgusting contract. Uh, you had Larry Nance Jr. Obviously, had to move him. So, and now you got Laurie Markin. And there's just too much, too many bigs. And you're not going to play a big at, at a wing. I mean, this is insanity. 
So they have a lot of problems too. Then they have the Sexton Garland backcourt doesn't make much sense. So Cleveland has to make a trade just for fit to fully develop these guys. If I'm Cleveland, I gotta isolate the guys I really want, the guys I don't want. So I would not have signed Jared Allen. Full stop. I would have overpaid for a few wings to make this roster make some sense. They did not do that. And I would have done an a la Philadelphia with Reddick when they were first young and they had Simmons and Embiid. Like, we need a space. So Cleveland, I mentioned it before. I don't know. I don't even know at this point. They, they need to, you know, Jared Allen is probably a guy I'm going to ha- I have to. Who else am I moving? Um, if I'm going to market it, market it Mobley are fine. They have to move Allen and they got to move Sexton. And neither one has fantastic value. And I'll say this. they got to get 70 cents on the dollar for both. They're not going to get full money value. The problem is, most of them may have like a starting center. So even if you're proving your center, you're going to move a center to get a center. You're not going to move a wing to get a center. There's still a couple interesting teams here. So Golden State, I think, is a team to look at if I'm Cleveland. They have a lot of wings. They just drafted Moody, Kuzminga, etc., they're going to want to make a run, okay, obviously, to accommodate Curry and Clay. If Clay comes back and is legit Clay, which is a big if, um, they're a team to look at. I get, I get they have Weissman, but they're a team to look at who could totally use a Jared Allen. And maybe you get some of those wings. Now, that only works if a couple, a couple things have to happen. A, the wings have to kind of bust. So if Golden State is not happy with Moody and Kuzminga, they're like, oh, these guys are a ways away. We're not going to keep doing this. Curry, Curry and Thompson are getting weary. And uh, and, and Jaron Allen is just killing it. There's a route there. That's probably the team I look at. I'm trying to think of other teams that even have wings to, to unload that, that could use a center. There's really no one. Okay? So that's it. Um, they're the only team. The other teams in the NBA already have centers. Cleveland's kind of screwed with that. If not, then you got to unload Sexton and or. So then you have to unload Sexton, right? Like, look, I'll say this. Allen, Markkinen, and Mobley could work in a three-big rotation, so fine. So you got to move Sexton for a wing that can shoot, and you're going to have to lose value on that deal. So now what's the teams to look out there? So no one's going to – I think – Personally, here's my take on Sexton. I actually kind of like Colin Sexton. I've, I've come full circle on him. I used to hate him. Then I then I was like, eh. He's a, a great, he'd be a very good backup combo guard to a team, to a contender. He's like a better version of Reggie Jackson, like much better. I don't know if he's a starter, and I trust him in that role, but as a backup combo guard and like a better Lou Williams light, yeah. Now, like, is there a team in the NBA that that, role fits for. Again, I look back at Golden State. Maybe they'll... But again, they're not going to, you know, trade that much to get that kind of talent. Another team, again, is Indiana. But you're more likely to get, like, a couple of pieces for Sexton. That's the truth. So, it also could be Boston. If Boston realizes, hey, look, Marcus Smart is a wing. He's not a point guard. And you can get like Aaron Naismith, Lankford in a deal for Sexton, you do that 100%. 
If I'm Boston, do I do it? I only do it if I'm Boston. If I feel like Sexton can start for me. And Smart, Smart shouldn't be playing point guard. I need a point guard. Then it makes sense. For Cleveland, it's a home run. They need, they need wing depth. Ideally, they space. Lankford's learning how to space. But if you get Naismith and Lankford and a deal for Sexton, you are doing that a million percent. I just saved your franchise. Dallas. We're not going to be able to get to every team. I'll continue this on the next pod. Um, but we have about 10 minutes left. So uh, Dallas is one of the more underratedly screwed teams in the league. They have no, besides Luka, who, again, they can't move. Why would they? Obviously, you're not going to move Luka. They have a lot of assets that I think are um, not positive assets. So, like, Tim Hardaway Jr., who they just signed, when I a little skeptical of that signing, um, is a net, like, not, I wouldn't say negative, but, like, not a great asset. Uh, he's signed to a ton of dough. I would have got, I, I, if I'm them, I would have tried to get a couple of players for that cap space. Now, they got Bullock, which was good, but there's gonna, they're over-reliant on, uh, here's what I mean. They're over-reliant on, like, everyone moved up a slot. So, Hardway Jr. really should be a wing off the bench. Now, he's a starting wing. Reggie Bullock should be a fourth wing. He's like a second wing. Darren Forney-Smith should be a third, fourth big slash wing. He's like a first or second. So everyone moves up a slot, which is not good. You can do that. You can patch your way through like, you know, if players get injured and other people step up for short periods, you can do that, right? You can say like, hey, insert third wing. I need you to play like a first or second wing for the next like couple of games. Fine. But for a full season and to do that with like your entire team, uh, that's really going to hurt them. Dallas, the team is just not good. I mean, that's it. It's not that complicated, guys. Right? The team is not good. So, given that, uh, I, I, have a, I have a tough time uh, figuring out what Dallas could do. Now, KP... They're going to have to increase his value. I think Jason Kidd was also the wrong hire, by the way. I think this team could really go backwards fast. Um, where, like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this, and people are going to think I'm crazy. They're not that – they're closer to Luka demanding a trade to get out of the train wreck than they are to contention. That's for sure. Like, people think they're going to take a step because Luka's going to get better, and I agree. But, like, they're, they're treating him like – you know, Jordan, late 80s Bulls, where, like, it's a complete shill fest around your star talent. I'm sorry. That's honestly what it is. Like, like it's Orlando Woolridge. It's, like, Craig Hodges. It's, like, Cliff Levingston. Like, it's guys that shouldn't be in the league. And then Jordan. This is the same. Like, look, Jordan's obviously better than Luke. I'm not making that comparison. I'm saying the surrounding talent. And that's, that's actually, that's my point, is Luca is not Jordan. So that he's not going to get the team. You're asking him to do way too much on his own. It's insane. Like, if Dallas makes the playoffs, Luka should absolutely be an MVP. This is a train wreck of a team. Um, I don't I don't use that word lightly. I guess I use it a little lightly. So because of that, like, lots of issues here. Lots of issues. But... 
yeah, in general, um, Porzingis definitely uh, definitely hurts hurts matters. I don't. He he needs to. I don't see him and Kidd are just. If you read the book that Giannis put out, that's a disaster waiting to happen. You can't move KP now. His value is way way too low. The only deal that I thought would have made sense, and now it doesn't because the Cavs got Laurie Markkinen, was Kevin Love and Colin Sexton for KP. But can't even do that now. So there's really not much. Teams are going to be able to use <clears throat> KP. They will. They will be able to. Okay? Um, because he can space it and everything like that. Someone's going to take a shot. But again, like it's it's a it's a bad mix, honestly. Like if I'm thinking, like if I if I'm Dallas, first of all, I think Luca could use a guard that could that could create a penetrate. He needs some help there, right? The deal that I propose that I still think kind of makes sense is with Houston. You think I'm crazy? Now they have Jalen Green. Um, and they could take some risks. This is why. So, uh, I I take a shot at John Wall. And I, I try to get Christian Wood in that deal. So I'll do something like KP, Jalen Brunson, um, maybe Jalen Smith, who's my only youth package. Okay. And um, and that's it. That's the move. I, I mean, I get Wood and Wall. And then I hope Wall resurrects himself. Wood actually makes a lot of sense of Luca, and now I got something going. Is that team going to contend? I don't know. Probably not. But at least I can get to the next evolution. Dallas is a train wreck. I'm going to get through the D's, and then we're going to be did done. <clears throat> Denver. I said this on the top. <clears throat> there's about there's a handful of teams that got a chance to win the West, and Denver is one of them. Denver, Utah, obviously, you know, the LA teams are there, but Denver and Utah have a real shot to make a run here. It's open. So, now Denver just signed Porter Jr. long-term. A lot of this is going to depend on Jamal Murray's health. So they have to play Porter Jr. and wait out Murray. If Murray could come back and be strong, there's a couple options here. First off, they're a Simmons destination. It's not the best fit. I would acknowledge that. Jokic and Simmons, not great. Not great. But if you have... Porter Jr. who could score, Simmons in there. That length is super interesting. Uh, but Murray has to obviously play and, and showcase himself and all that. Now, obviously, you're probably going to want to keep Murray. And if you do, then Porter Jr. could also be dealt, in which case it's also a Simmons destination using Porter Jr. Either way, it could be a Simmons destination. They need to make a big move. They already got Aaron Gordon, who... You know, the fit there has been a little skeptical. Uh, Denver uh, could have been better if they weren't as cheap, honestly, to retain Grant, um, maybe even Millsap. Like, the, these these little um, non-moves that they do where they haven't retained a lot of their talent that, that played well uh, is going to hurt them long-term. So it kind of hurts at their depth, right? Where they, they, they had Grant, they had this great depth team, now they're putting up P.J. Dozier needs to start and all that, and then Torrey Craig. So they're missing a couple of those wings they usually usually had before, um, which they didn't get back. Barton also needs to play well. But 
for them, again, start of the year as is, see if Porter Jr. really turns into this stud. Now, just because you go for it doesn't mean you go for it on the wrong guy. Like, I, I'm avoiding Bradley Beal if I'm teams. But, again, if I can get, I think, the Toronto, Siakam, Fred Van Fleet, OG Ananobi, combo is interesting. Simmons is interesting. I go for it. Denver's a team that I go for it. Detroit, I just mentioned the deal. So, I, I think Detroit-Boston are great matches. Right? In general, Detroit does need to move Grant. Okay, shocker, I know. And get multiple wings in that deal. That's what they should do. And young wings. Right? And, and Boston's the team that has it. Um, and people are like, oh, well, they didn't do well. I'm like, yeah, because Boston's got 50 million wings. So, like, if the wings... Like, if I'm Boston, I'm obviously... I would have done the offseason differently. Um, but they have to, you know... They're probably going to start Naismith. I would, at least if I'm them. And max that value... And Pritchard's value is not as big as it should be because of the signings they did. Detroit should take advantage of that situation. As I mentioned, we're done with the Ds. We'll start with Golden State next time on the next pod. But um, it's been fun. We'll keep it going. What teams should do? It's going to be a great year. Great year. Um, We will...